Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Voices of Voldron. It is I, your host, Anthony Perez, with my co-host here, Allison Ray. And I would like to apologize for the whole month of July for not posting. That is like 100% my fault. Um, my schedule has been completely horrible with having to do stuff on the day we had to record. And yeah, that's like on me. Um, another disclaimer, we will also be skipping over the topic of death, which we planned on on our last episode because... I have some trauma that I still haven't like completely gone over and like healed through and it gets me anxious still admittedly so we're gonna do another one or another topic today so yeah sorry if you were looking forward to it but it won't be happening for right now at least um the topic that we're going to be talking about today is um God, I'm already forgetting Jesus Christ uh, climate change. There we go. Sorry. <laughs> um, for those of you who live in Florida, because I do, I I live in Florida. I live in Miami, and it's really freaking hot. We're like approaching a hundred degrees, and if I'm not mistaken, I think we've only ever touched it once. If we've ever touched it, I think that was in 1942 at the um Miami International Airport, the MIA. Um, it was, if I'm not mistaken, it either hit 100 or it reached 98. But the temperature has been really hot. It's been reaching the high 90s, like 95, 96. And our ocean water is actually reaching 100. Which is not good for a lot of reasons. One, um, well, really the main reason, the coral reefs. They can't really sustain those high temperatures. Um, they undergo a, an event called coral bleaching, which they expel all their um, microorganisms within them that they house. And that's when they lose all their color. Uh, for those that don't know, coral could actually glow. Like they have like bioluminescence in them when they are completely fully stressed of like heat like they're going under heat stress they could actually glow and it looks pretty but it's actually a really sad um mechanism of theirs because it's like they're dying and that's just not affecting us it's affecting other places too because a lot of people depend on coral reefs and i don't think a lot of people understand that that it depends, or some people's economies depend on coral reefs for tourism and the money that that brings in. Um, there's a whole bunch of fish diversity that we might lose, as well as coral diversity, sponges. Um, and if any species are keystone species, that's going to have a tremendous effect on the whole ecosystem and the food chain and stuff. Um, it's just not temperatures that they could sustain they can't go to 100 degree water um the temperatures are also increasing so fast that they just can't adapt to it either so that's 
not good as well. Um, obviously, coral, they can't really move. They're kind of just anchored to wherever they are. So they can't just migrate somewhere else. Um, we have reefs here, as mentioned before, and I have yet to see them. I would love to, but I think they're down all the way at the Keys, and I'm not there. And I feel it. I really do feel it. Um, the air kind of gets so hot that it makes me like, it gives me like a suffocating feeling. And it makes it kind of hard to breathe for me sometimes. And I had to go back in. And this past weekend, um, not this weekend, the one before, I was working with my father and my uncle. And we were working outside from 11 a.m. to 9 in the night. And I felt so awful in the sun for that long. Um, most of the time I was in the sun or under shade, but I was still in the heat. I felt nauseous. I needed to sit down. I needed to catch my air, my breath. I needed to drink a lot of water that day. I was sweating so much. And I was in jeans and a black shirt, so it didn't help either. And it just saddens me because we're really breaking records. Um, we've had... It was a week in July where we were just breaking records daily for the hottest temperature in the world. Like, on average, the whole world temperature, I believe, was reaching 63 point something degrees. I forgot what it was. I think it was 63.6. And then the next day would be like 63.8. And that's not good because that's not just the hot areas. That's including... Places like Antarctica, the North and South Poles, Canada, Russia, the North. And if you like really think about the temperatures like that, those areas are also contributing to the global temperatures. For it to be 63 degrees, that's wild. Um, it's a shame that the companies because okay there's there's two like sides to this it's industrial companies and like corporations and stuff adding to the pollution and then there's the people there's a lot of people in the world obviously not all of them have good habits in terms of energy consumption waste um pollution and stuff like a lot of people drive cars that are contributing um all those gases and emissions a lot of people eat meat i'm to blame for that all that methane gas the cows release and that the livestock release as well it's just adding on to that lights being not or lights being on and not turned off. Water usage. I use a lot of water. I take really long showers. That's also on me. And it was, it's just a lot of factors that people add on to it. But then when you think about the companies, 
they're always producing, always manufacturing, always like doing business. There's been a whole bunch of companies that have dumped their waste into like rivers and surrounding habitat and stuff. And very rarely do they ever really get punished for that. Um, I'm a bit of both because as much as companies produce, I think people tend to just overlook how much we really use because think about yourself and how much you're doing, how much you're using in terms of energy and water and like what you're eating and your diet and stuff and where that food is coming from. And that's in one year for one person. Now imagine seven, no, not even seven, eight billion people now in the world doing that. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned about, uh, you know, dumping waste in rivers. That, mm-hmm. it's not bad here anymore, but it used to be really really bad to the point where now in our rivers because I you know I live where we had a lot of steel steel mills that was the big thing mm-hmm. here now it's you know called Rust Valley or whatever but um that was the main thing that was manufactured uh that's how most of the towns around here popped up actually was because of steel mills well they didn't really have any way to get rid of the waste from making steel. And there's a lot of bad waste when it comes to purifying iron to make steel. Um, so they would just dump it into our rivers. Uh, the Mahoning River, which goes through my area, um, is has caught on fire before. Um... I think in the 60s it caught on fire. The Cuyahoga River, which places were also dumping, mostly from like Cleveland area, those ones were dumping into there. That one also caught on fire. Um, in the Mahoney River, you're only allowed to go fishing at like specific times because so many of the fish there have been like mutated and stuff. You're not supposed to, you're like not supposed to eat any fish you catch there. Or anything. Mm-hmm. Just because of all the waste that's been just dumped into there. Between the steel mills, there's a leather factory that also dumped waste in there. And leather pollution is horrible for the environment. Right now, they're, that I, I think the leather company around here burned down in the 60s, I want to say. They're just now able to start cleaning it up. It's, like, settled down to the point where they're, like, able to go and clean it up. Like, mm-hmm. the toxic uh, waste from it all. Um, and it, it they just keep in there. So they got this grant they're trying to clean it up now. And it was supposed to be done in December. I think they're still working on it. Because it was not nearly as bad as they thought it was. Or it is a lot worse than they thought it was, I should rephrase. Because... They found out the company that was there was illegally dumping shit just everywhere on that land waste. So they just keep, you know, popping up all these little surprises. Well, big surprises. 
as they're trying to do this like massive cleanup to make it like a you know usable uh non-toxic uh area <clears throat> yeah so not just so not just companies of today but like companies even back before we had so many regulations and stuff in place we still are seeing the effects of what they did in our lives today you know it's mm -hmm. still around that's crazy to think you know pollution from you know well 60 years ago now still there on the land yeah um so i was doing a little bit of research and the hottest day on earth in recorded history was this month on july the 4th and i remember on july 4th i had went to the beach <laughs> it was hot as hell that day my god I had to stay underneath the umbrella because if not, <laughs> my vitamin D deficiency would have been a vitamin D oversaturation. My God. Yeah. But yeah, we, let me see. One second. Yeah. I know I keep saying like, and like, obviously, some places are like a lot hotter than they normally are but at least mm -hmm. for us here it's been about the same as it usually is we we're supposed to have like a day that would have been like hotter than normal on friday but it never reached the high they were expecting i think they thought it'd get to like 94 95 i think it got to like 88 maybe which is like I mean, late July, early August for us, I expect us to have one or two 90 degree days. Yeah. We won't get as hot as Miami, but I mean, we'll get up into the 90s around this time. This is like our hottest time of the year. And I mean, looking at the weather for the next uh, weeks, the beginning of August, which is usually beginning, and then the week after the beginning of August is usually the very hottest. And, like, the highest is, like, 83. Which is, like, actually kind of cold for us. At this time of year. We keep having, um... It keeps getting, like, into the upper 80s. And then, like, the night that it, after the day it gets up in the upper 80s, we keep having these, like, really, really bad thunderstorms coming through. Because there are cold fronts coming through. And then we drop down in temperature. Back down. Mm-hmm. And then we, you know, get smoked out by Canada from the wildfires. Yeah. Um, I know we're only talking about heat and how hot it's been in our areas, but global warming doesn't only mean that, oh, every place is getting hotter because some of the counterpoints that anti-climate change people believe is... Oh, so how come this area is getting colder and stuff? Well, here's the thing. Um, when temperatures rise and they get warmer, they disrupt the 
polar vortex and they push the cold air into non-traditional areas where like they don't usually have that type of cold uh cold air and even though they are experiencing colder than usual temperatures everywhere else is dying of heat oh hi and right now <laughs> um another thing about climate change that people don't really realize is with warmer waters, you're going to have way stronger weather. Um, I'm kind of scared of getting a hurricane because hurricanes, obviously, they thrive off warm water. They don't really do good in cold water. So you'll see them a lot in the tropics, like where I live. And luckily, we, the people of like South Florida, have not been hit by a hurricane. I haven't really heard any news about one. Thank God. And I'm kind of surprised by that because we are in hurricane season and I'm so glad that we aren't getting hit because they'd be really intense. They have a lot more energy than previous years because obviously hottest summer, we're breaking heat records, and it just won't be good. If people are left with no AC in this heat, I could see a lot of people get in trouble in terms of health. Like this hit is not something to be played with. I've shared screenshots of the weather to y'all. It'd be reaching 90 something degrees with like 60, 70% humidity. It is not fun. And people that, okay, so for those that don't understand, the feels like difference adds in humidity as a factor on top of other stuff like wind as well that's why the temperature could be kind of low but the humidity would make it way hotter than it says because that's what it feels like because when it's humid you can't really sweat as efficiently so it makes you hotter because you can't release that sweat um in cold places like when i went to visit new york it would say the weather's 2030, but it would feel like single-digit degree weather because you have the wind as a factor, where it would like push all that cold air yeah, onto you, love making that it colder. Chill. Yeah. So it'll be five out, feeling like it's negative 20. Because we are in hurricane season, we do have rain. Everything is freaking humid as hell. Everything's wet and moist and sticky and it's nasty. You feel gross outside. It's hot. You're sweating. You got all that water vapor on you. It's gross. Horrible. Um, yeah. On top of what we've been discussing, discussing with the environmental changes, I want to move on from the like, tropics and talk about the colder areas because... For one, polar bears, as an example, they're running out of habitat. They live on ice. They rely on ice to hunt seals for their food and stuff. And they're losing that ice because it's melting. They don't have a place to hunt on. They barely, ha they rarely have any space to like have rest and shelter and stuff during storms or something. And 
if you have a polar bear in the water hunting for a seal, it's obvious that the seal is going to outmaneuver the polar bear. They're more designed for that. If they're on land, on ice, the polar bear is going to have the advantage. But if there's no ice, they're at a disadvantage. Um, another thing on top of that with ice melting, the ocean rises with how much water um, is going to be made from the ice melting. Because obviously, as we know, uh, ice is more dense than water. So, sorry, wrong. Ice floats. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? When you have ice in a cup of water and that ice melts, that shit's gonna overspill. That's what I'm trying to say, basically. Um, but yeah, because of the water rising, you have places like where I live, Miami, being right there to sea level. I think we're like six feet above, six, ten maybe above sea level that's nothing with the way that water's rising um it's kind of scary because allegedly by like 2050 or something florida's supposed to be like or at least part of florida is going to be underwater and that's terrifying yeah um at some point, Ohio's gonna have a beach. And Dude, that's crazy. That. PA's long. PA's so long. It'll probably end up somewhere in PA. Um. Yeah, another thing, and it's not just affecting the <laughs> um oceans either it also is affecting like lakes and stuff like that mm -hmm. which is weird to think about but i live you know an hour from lake erie roughly um and we do our family reunion up at lake erie every year and in 2018 there's like this nice beach it was pretty decent sized um probably about 50 feet of beach like from the grass to like you know the lake um it, i mean not huge it was a decent size though right mm -hmm. uh the next year about a year later a little bit less i went back with my friends the beach was gone because the lake has been just eating away at everything there over these last few years. Um, and I mean, that beach had been there for like, and about the same size for like a couple of years. And then within one, it was just completely gone. Um, it has started like breaking away at like the rock and stuff that's there and swallowing houses and stuff too. Uh, Lake Erie is one of the more volatile lakes. I think it actually has more shipwrecks in, like, a denser area than the ocean does. Um, there's a lot of shipwrecks in it. It's a really deep lake. Um, 
stuff like that. It, it has a ridiculous amount of shipwrecks in it. But it's it's very, very, very volatile. A lot of people say it's more volatile than being out on the open sea. Because the weather just changes so fast on you out when you're out there. Um, but yeah, it has literally like started eating away so much at the land here that it's like starting to make houses fall into like at back ends of houses fall into it and stuff. And like I said, just completely erasing beaches and stuff. Um, and I'd be hard pressed to think that doesn't have to do with climate change, that climate change isn't affecting that because we did not have this problem 10 years ago. You know what I mean? This is a very new issue that we're dealing with up here. Um. So yeah, it is not just affecting um, oceans. It is also even affects things like lakes and stuff like that, which is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, and it's also like directly. Well, no, not that. Mm. I want to say indirectly, indirectly affecting ocean life too, because besides the coral stuff, as we mentioned, um. For those that don't know, um, a lot of seashells and animals that rely on those shells to, like, live in, such as, like, hermit crabs or, um, what other thing has, I think, like, clams and oysters and stuff, um, they have weaker shells now because of ocean acidification um when the ocean absorbs all that co2 they get or the water gets more acidic and it starts affecting their shells because it starts dissolving so anything that has calcium carbonate like corals the sea urchins, snails, oysters, they need to spend more energy into repairing their damaged shells or skeletons or making them thicker and stuff. And something I learned in ecology last year was, or this year, I should say, um, animals, when they use energy, it like wastes their life. Um, some animal we've learned that like some animals they dedicate all their energy into producing one really good offspring that could pass on their generation and stuff and have offspring, or they could take a different route where they don't use that much energy to make offspring, but they make a million like they, hyperbole, they make like a whole bunch of offspring. So like us, we use a lot of energy to make kids, obviously. Um, nine months, and then on top of the nine months, usually like 18 years of like parental guidance and stuff. And teaching them everything so that they could be like their own adult. I want to say like 18, 21 years. 
that's for one Osprey. But we know that they could possibly keep our bloodline going and our genes and stuff and pass them down. Other animals like seahorses, they freaking. <laughs> I don't know if y'all have ever seen a male seahorse give birth, but it's a whole bunch of them coming out. And. When you don't have the energy to fully dedicate into reproduction, you get in trouble because your genes might end there. So if animals are wasting energy on trying to just survive with their shell, it affects them, it affects their livelihood, it affects their future generations and stuff like that. And besides the animals themselves, the food industry is obviously going to suffer. Um, tourism is going to suffer because there's places that offer seafood like that, like in tropical areas and islands. If they don't have that, like, that might be a reason why someone goes to visit there. But if they don't have that food, it it's, it's a loss of money. And there's just a whole bunch of factors that people don't really realize about ocean acidification that can have like really dire consequences for us. Yeah. <laughs> I mean even with like uh their migra like different sea animals migrations like dolphins and uh mm -hmm. sharks and everything and manatee, like it's all messed up right now because you know, normally during, what is it, I think it's uh, summer, they'll leave Miami, they'll go up to, like, I think it's North Carolina-ish area. Uh, up the coast, basically, because it's too warm down there, so go up there, and then they'll go back during the winter. But right now, I'm sure it's all messed up for them. I know they're having, like, a lot of sharks, I think, in New York, which is not normal for this time of year. Well, not normal mm -hmm. at all. In general, I mean, they'll have once in a while a couple, but they've had, like, a lot. And a lot of the sh shark attacks, yeah. too, I believe. Yeah, no. Um, their migration patterns definitely get me uh, messed up. They might have to leave earlier because of how hot it would get in the summer or something. And possibly come back later or come back earlier. Um, if they're a prey of another animal that really relies on them being at their migration spot. And they're there earlier than what the predator is used to. You're going to have this mismatch of mating time where the predator is going to completely miss the prey. And they won't have any food and they'll suffer a population loss. Mm -hmm. We actually had a case study on that in my ecology class where um, I think it was tuna off the coast of Peru, I believe, where I don't remember it was La, La Nina or El Nino that was driving the fish away from the coast so when the fishermen went there was they weren't catching anything because the fish weren't there to catch
Yeah. Yeah, see right here. Um, during El Nino, the water off the coast of Peru is warmer than usual, and without the cold upwelled water, meaning like the cold water that comes from the deep up to the surface, it helps the phytoplankton live. And if the water isn't there, the plankton can't live, and the fish that feed on them, like anchovies, it's anchovies, not tunas. Those won't live, obviously, because the food source ain't there, and that affects us. Yeah, and I know a lot of people will say, um, when it, like my dad says this whenever we talk about climate change. They'll say along the lines of it's normal for us to go through like a base change basically of how our world is climate wise. Yeah. Which is true. I mean, we went from what tropical to an ice age to what we have now, right? Yeah. What's not correct though is the how speed. Fast. Of what it's, and that's what they seem to like just completely gloss over and like, no, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. N yes, we did have these changes in the past, and yes, we are overdue for one, and you know, we're starting to see it affect now. But before when it happened, it happened over hundreds of years. Right now, it's happening over tens of years. There's a big difference there. Just the speed that it's happening at is, like you said, it's going to cause really, really bad, like, uh, shock to us, a eh? shock to animals, uh, a lot worse weather conditions and stuff like that as well. Mm-hmm. Climate was always going to start changing at some point, but we didn't cause that. That's just normal for the planet. It's just we're causing it to happen at a much more accelerated rate than it should be. Which is not what you want. You need it to, you know, have time for the animals and everything to adapt to it slowly changing over time as we did during the Ice Age, to the age that we live in now. Um, that's about everything I have. Um, uh, I, so I pulled up uh, a little infographic some numbers real quick um, <clears throat> just to for people to understand why this is such a big issue um, so since the pre-industrial era 
our global mm -hmm. temperature has gone up by 1.1 Celsius, which I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. I'm not about to do that conversion off the top of my head. That does not seem right. 1.1 degrees Celsius? It's like 33 degrees Fahrenheit. That's a lot. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I guess. Um, ice sheets, uh, how much we're losing, I believe it is, um, per year is 424 billion metric tons per year, which is a ridiculous amount. Um, and then the sea level since January of 1993 has risen four inches. Since just 1993. Which, if you think, you know, how big the ocean is, for the entire thing to raise four inches in that amount of time, that's a lot. Yeah, but I think um, that's pretty much all I wanted to talk about. Uh, what's going to be the podcast topic for next week, Guy? Um, so the topic for next week is going to be about, like, the butterfly effect, I think it's called. Um, that, but in history. So, like, what little small event might have caused a really well-known historic event in our history um i'd found an example but i kind of exited out of that window but it was basically about a tribe chief getting poisoned and he was the father of genghis khan which fueled genghis khan to become a ruler and as we all know Genghis Khan killed a lot of people he also birthed oh well, he helped birth a lot of people as well and if I'm not mistaken the Mongol Empire was one of the largest maybe the largest even I think Empire in the world, yeah, yes, it beat Rome in that one. All because his father was poisoned. All right, so yeah, um, come back on the sixth of August to listen to us talk about the butterfly effect. And as always, um, please 
like us, uh, follow us, subscribe to us, whatever it is. Give us five stars, whatever it is, wherever you're listening. It helps new people find us, so it helps us out. Um, and yeah, come back on the uh, six, as I said, and have a great week until then.